the very special things that we do at this, uh, on this day, one service Sunday, is that we have a, a many times a rotation of pulpits. And we're so thankful today to have with us a very special guest, Reverend Kristen Ellis. She and her husband pastor the Calvary Church in Springdale, Ohio. And we love this family. And uh, Pastor Ellis and uh, it, it, Pastor and Sister Ellis have been, uh, it, of course, she grew up here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she is the daughter of the late, great Bishop Norman Pasley II and Sister Jeannie Pasley. Her grandparents invested greatly into this church in the 1950s and 60s. And there was wonderful growth and revival that came to this great congregation under their ministry. And we're so thankful to have her with us here today, Pastor Kristen Ellis of the Calvary Church. We're thankful that she's agreed to be with us. We're grateful that Audrey and Ava are here this morning with her, her daughters. Emma wasn't able to be here, but we're thankful to have this family. We're going to ask her to come to deliver the word of the Lord today. Would you receive her with a warm tree of life, church? Welcome. We love and honor this family. God bless you. Thank you so much. It is a high honor to join you for service this morning. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Do you feel that way? God's already met us here in such a great way. And I'm so thankful to be a part of that. I'm going to go ahead and let you be seated. This is such a special opportunity for me. I have a few remarks that I want to make. And I asked the Lord to help me say a lot very quickly because I want to get to the word of the Lord as I'm sure you do too. But for me to tell you what it means to be in this pulpit and to be with you this morning, only the Lord knows. And if I'm a little bit emotional today, just trust me that there is good reason why. And God has been good and he has been faithful to all of us. I am thankful to see many familiar faces in the crowd today and I'll try not to name anybody I'll get in trouble but people that I grew up knowing and loving all of my life people that are a part of this congregation that came into my life through Bible quizzing I've coached some of your children and young people and that's been my privilege to do that uh, we've met through TCA we have any TCA students in the house Yes, yes, I'm so glad Anna's still around. She's a great art teacher from what I understand. My girls love when Miss Anna teaches art. And I miss seeing Sophia in the hallway, but I had her in a couple of my classes. And I just love the Urshan family very much. I miss my friend Heidi, who told me she'd be watching online today. But I am so thankful for the friendship that God has given us with Joel and Heidi and their children, and my friend Zach, whom I am so proud of, a son in the gospel of the Calvary Church. I honor him and his submission to the will of God and his life, even if it took you away from us. We still love you and are so proud of you, Zachary. But I also want to honor uh, your Bishop Bullard, his memory today. He was always so kind so kind to me absolutely we give honor to whom honor is due and sister buller their friendship to me since i was a child i have been so blessed by that and i'm thankful for it thankful for two of my girls here today 
It brought me such joy, Brother Urshan, when I said, hey, guys, I'm preaching at Tree of Life. Does anybody want to come? And everybody wanted to come see their friends. And that just means so, so much to me. But I believe the Lord is going to do something very special today. I felt a quickening in my spirit, Pastor Urshan, when you mentioned the special opportunity that we have to be together today in one mind and one accord. You can be healed of any disease on this day. My family is a witness. A few years ago, my sister was here unable to have a child. And at one service, on a Sunday night, the word of the Lord went forth and it was prophesied that someone was gonna have a baby who could not have a baby, and it was my sister. And Asher Norman Russell is doing really, really good. Amen. And so I'm a witness to the power of God through this specific meeting. I'm going to turn your attention now to the word of the Lord, and I'm going to be reading from the book of Psalms. If you want to stand again, I certainly uh, respect that, but know you've been standing for a long time. And I'm going to be reading from Psalms 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song. To you, O God, on a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you from this simple subject, the wonder of worship. The wonder of your worship. Amen. Would you just take a moment with me and let's just prepare our hearts for the word of the Lord today. God, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house with your people and feel your great presence. I pray now, Lord, for liberty for your word to go forth exactly as you have intended for it to do. Lord, to uh, break down every stronghold in our minds and in our hearts. Let it find good ground and bring forth fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the word of the Lord. I love God's church. I love the people of God. I love worshiping the Lord together with God's people in spirit and in truth. And I grew up in the church. And us Pentecostals are known for a lot of things, if you didn't know that. One of the things we're known for is our crazy praise. Amen. I'm not ashamed of that. I feel good about it. Don't you feel good about it this morning? Amen. And so growing up in the church, I've seen some stuff. 
I've witnessed some things happen during a church service that I could assume even as a child that was not supposed to happen today. Things that were unexpected, unscripted, and yes, a little crazy. It's the stuff that Church of Laugh, does anybody know about Church of Laugh? You follow it on social media. And Church Milk are essentially uh, church blooper reels. And they are hysterical. And if you don't know about this, you, you need to know about it. Because you name it, and it can happen in a church service. Preachers get tongue-tied and accidentally say things behind the sacred desk that they did not plan on saying that day. Keyboards fall off the stand in the middle of a wild worship service. People not paying attention and just shouting right off the platform. That's the kind of stuff that happens. It's like watching America's Funniest Home Videos. And if you think you're having a bad day, just get on Church of Laugh and you're going to realize you're having a better day than some. And that's good. But Tom and I love watching these videos, Pastor Urshan, especially on a Sunday or a Wednesday at Calvary where things were a little bumpy. Things didn't come off quite like we planned. We had a plan. It just didn't happen the way we had hoped. And, you know, sometimes there's demons in the sound system. Y'all probably don't have that, but we have that in Springdale. And thank God for our AV and sound teams who cast them out. In the name of Jesus, we appreciate them. But some of the most relatable videos for me on Church of Laugh are because I'm a, a Pentecostal kid of a worship service where things start happening. People start getting a little zealous for the Lord and memorable things take place. In fact, I uh, could pass the mic around to some of you and you probably have some very interesting things you could tell. Things that you've seen and maybe have even done in a church service. But I love it. I take part in that. It's part of who we are and we celebrate it today. I remember as a child my dad standing on the side of the altar area and shouting during a worship service, Run with your eyes open! He was youth president for a long time. He did that at the Holy Campground. And while that might seem anticlimactic, there was a good reason why he gave that instruction. One of my stories from my childhood is I remember a precious saint of God taken off like a shot in the middle of service. And what she didn't realize was the back doors had been closed. Once the service had started, that was a memorable, memorable moment. Growing up, for me, my dad had a similar experience at the old church. Uh, he said that the stairs that went up to the choir loft were very, very slick. So he was about 12 years old, and he was coming down those steps, and he just fell right down them, hit his head all the way down the steps. But rather than face the humiliation and the acknowledgement that he had, in fact, fallen out in the middle of service, he just laid there and pretended like he was slain in the spirit. I know none of you have never done that, but I think that's a good plan B. If things don't go right, just be in the spirit and, and no one will know any better. But I love that we can laugh about it. I love the, 
the personality of a Pentecostal church. We're happy people. We have the joy of the Lord, and we can laugh even at ourselves. And so maybe this morning after service, you've got some stories. I'd love to hear them. It's exciting stuff. But I feel compelled today to remind the Tree of Life Church that praise is powerful. In fact, our demonstrative worship is part of what defines us as Pentecostals. It's part of our identity. Have you ever told somebody, well, I'm a Pentecostal, and their eyes get real big? Because that could mean a lot of things. And some things I'm just like, oh, no, that's not me. That's not us. That's not what we do. But the praising thing, that's who we are. Our services aren't boring. They shouldn't be. Because we believe that Jesus is worthy. No matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter what's happening around us, we serve a God who will always be worthy of all of our worship and all of our praise. Amen. This is what I believe, that if I can give someone a standing ovation in a secular environment, then I should be willing, as long as I'm physically able, to stand on my feet as long as I can and give God praise that he deserves from my heart straight to his. Hallelujah. Because there's power when I do that. There's power when you do it this morning. Amen, amen. I tell Calvary on a regular basis, if I can cheer on an athlete, or some artist, because I admire their talent and their ability, they have entertained me, then surely I can lay aside my pride and what dignity I think I have and give God whatever praise I feel he deserves and he wants from me in that moment. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together this morning hallelujah let's just do that a moment god we worship you above anyone else you deserve our praise you deserve my admiration today hallelujah hallelujah amen amen and if i can dance on the cheesy dance cam at the reds game I haven't, but I've thought about it. Because you can lose your mind in an environment like that, right? Why should the church be any different? David lost his mind, and we love to talk about it. Because Jesus is worthy. And we were created. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we glorify our God in our body because it belongs to him. And it was created to worship him or their power should receive you and I's worship should receive our effort our admiration the way the Lord Jesus should it's biblical it's necessary for we were made to worship and today I want to remind you of something simple but so powerful because praise and worship have a vital role to play in our walk with God because it is much more than just an outward expression of an internal faith. It is a means of spiritual warfare for you and I. Worship, according to the scripture, has always been a tool in the believer's arsenal to wage war in the heavenlies. Amen. 
In our text today, we read a psalm of David. David is known for many things. He is a hero of our faith. Few compare to him in terms of the amount of information that we have about his life. We know a lot about David. Stop and think about it. The good, the bad, and the very ugly. While some characters in the Bible are only limited to one or two verses, David's life and his pen take up a lot of room in the Old Testament. David was a legend in Israel's history. David was a man of war. His story begins by him taking on a giant, public enemy number one for the nation of Israel. And through God's hand on David's young life, he takes down a man. The whole country, even the king himself, is afraid to face. David does it with a slingshot and five smooth stones in the name of the Lord. And it is important for you and I to recognize, though, that the Bible is specific to let us know that David was a man of worship. He authored much of the Psalms, a book dedicated to the worship of God in song and in poetry. And I believe this morning that what the Bible tells us about King David, that he was a man of war and a man of worship. These are not separate details, but they are, in fact, intertwined. Amen. Here in Psalms 144 specifically, David makes some interesting statements about the Lord. Blessed be the Lord my rock, he says, or my strength, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. In this passage, we see David speak in terms of warfare. He calls the Lord a high tower, a fortress, a shield for himself. He asked God in verse 6 to shoot forth his arrows on David's behalf. Here in Psalms 144, David seems to go in and out of words of praise and worship to prayers for deliverance from battle. A battle that seems to be both physical and spiritual in the life of David. And so we must believe That this is intentional for David as a man writing under divine inspiration. Whose example better for you and I to follow than a man that was defined in scripture as one after God's own heart. And so let us look quickly this morning at what David is teaching us here beginning with verse 1. Who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. The Lord is David's teacher. From God comes the instruction of the battle plan and the strategy. Here in Psalm 144, we also hear the struggle in David's prayer. While he has confidence in God based on his past, he is still deeply concerned and prayerful about his present circumstance. And this is wonderfully relatable to you 
and I. That we don't have to be free of fear and doubt to be people of faith. God does not give up on you and I because we are struggling to believe despite what we know. David acknowledges here the goodness of the Lord. That God has been faithful to him in the past. That God has sustained him and led him through times of war and personal turmoil. And it is worth noting today that this psalm is in many ways a repeat of other psalms. I'm sure you've noticed that when you've read the book that David seems to repeat himself throughout. And it is powerful for us to see that here in Psalms 144 is very similar. It's a cross reference to my Bible quizzers to Psalms 18. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies that when I call upon the Lord when I remember that he's worthy of my praise it is then I will be saved hallelujah and herein I believe we find significance for us we see a pattern in David's approach to life he prays and he praises he prays some more and then he praises and so this should not be, please hear me this morning, tree of life. This should not be just a source of inspiration alone to us. We love to talk about how David danced with all his might in 2 Samuel 6. David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. That means David was not dressed like a king that day. He was wearing the clothing of the priests. Why? Because David realized that before I am anything, a general, uh, before a king, anything else in life, I am a worshiper of God. Hallelujah. And so it is true for you and I that we were created in his likeness to give him worship, to give him praise, to give thanks in everything. Hallelujah. David's example is not just for our Pentecostal inspiration, but it is for our daily instruction. Amen. David, though, is not the only example that we find in Scripture of this type of spiritual warfare and approach to difficult circumstances. Oh, no, David stands in amazing company in the Scripture in both the Old and New Testament. I want to quickly give you three examples here. Miriam, the older sister of Moses, sets a profound example in the Old Testament of the power of worship. She is, in fact, the first worship leader recorded in the Bible. In fact, the Bible calls her a prophet. Right alongside her siblings, Moses and Aaron, as powerful as they were. What a family. My God, I want my family to be like that, Pastor Urshan. Serving the Lord and leading God's people together. God wants that for your life today. Amen. 
And so here in Exodus 15, Miriam gives the first praise break in the scripture. You know what I'm talking about because we're Pentecostals. We've had a few already today. Exodus 15, verse 20, Then Miriam the prophet, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances, and Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Bible tells us here that Miriam leads the people in the playing of instruments, and with her leading, the people sang and danced and praised God and rejoiced in the victory he had given them over their enemies. But worship didn't just happen in the scripture after the battle was won. Oh no, in fact, Praise was a key part of the battle plan that God gave Joshua for the overthrowing of the city of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6 verse 5, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. If you grew up in the church like me, we limit that word shout to a very specific context. Growing up, that meant you lost your mind in a praise break. You shouted your hair down. You worshiped and danced before the Lord. But it's very important for you and I to understand that the word that the Lord uses in this verse, talking to Joshua, means something very specific. It means to shout a war cry or alarm of battle, to shout for joy, to shout in triumph. It is not a stretch by any means to say that when you and I lift up our voices to praise God, it is a war cry in the spirit realm. And so that's what you feel when someone around you lifts up their hands and says, Hallelujah! We're declaring war in the spirit this morning when we praise and worship God together. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And its effectiveness is seen clearly here in the battle of Jericho. Verse 16, the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout! Raise an alarm, a battle cry, for the Lord has given you the city. Dropping down to verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down. Here we find God's people being instructed to shout before the walls fell down. We've got our bases covered in the scripture today. Miriam led the people in a shout in worship and praise after the victory had been won. But here God establishes with Joshua, sometimes you do it before anything happens. And so it is with you and I that even though they had been marching 
for a very long time. I'm sure there were people who doubted and thought, Joshua, you have lost your mind. Nothing is happening. But there was something significant and powerfully profound when they lifted their voice to God on that seventh day and declared what you said, God, is going to happen. The city is ours. And so I feel an unction this morning to tell the tree of life. Whatever you're facing as a congregation, whatever you're facing as unique families, God wants you to know that you can already shout and declare victory for he has given you the city. Come on, let's do that together now. Can you just declare the word of the Lord over your circumstance that every need will be provided because he is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Oh, hallelujah. The enemy has been so loud in some of your ears lately. It's time to holler back. To sound an alarm in the spirit that says, nothing's changed yet. But I understand that when I praise and worship God, something happens right here. Something changes in me that releases me to believe the word of the Lord in spite of what is not happening in my life. Amen, amen. Like David, the Lord taught Joshua how to fight that day. He taught him how to wage war. He taught the people of Israel to wage war through their worship and their praise. And so when we call to mind who God is, what he has already done. Victory is certain for us. When the people shouted that day, they were declaring the word of the Lord, that it was already so, even though they were staring at the walls of Jericho. And so it is for you and I, that when I throw my hands up, and I turn my gaze to heaven. I change my perspective because I remember who I have put my trust in and what he has promised me. And so my praise does not just change my perspective. My praise changes my spiritual position. David said many times in the Psalms, I will bless the Lord at all times. I've already decided. And so it doesn't matter if I'm in the position of Miriam, God's already done it and I'll praise him. Or if I'm in Joshua's position and God hasn't done it yet. It's still appropriate to praise and worship the Lord. He's still worthy and it is still powerful when I do it. Praise changes my perspective. It gets my eyes off myself and off of the enemy who is a roaring lion. Praises clear our minds of fear and anxiety. It is impossible to be fearful 
and to be anxious when you are in a position of praise and worship. It's that powerful. It can eliminate fear in your life. Praise changes our spiritual position in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And so when the children of Israel marched around Jericho, they were not just obeying orders that day. They were not just in some formation for battle, but they were agreeing with the Lord. They were aligning themselves with him. And finally, praise releases power in our lives. And I've got good news for you today. That this is true not just in the Jericho story, but it is also true in a prison in the city of Philippi. In Acts 16, we find a power team of the early church in Paul and Silas. They were doing the Lord's work and ended up in prison. Now think about that. Don't limit the context of this story to what we celebrate because we know what happened. It's important for us to understand because that's the power of their testimony here in Philippi. Is that they had had a really good day for the Lord. They were on a missions trip that started with meeting a young guy named Timothy who we know later becomes Pastor Timothy. They're being very effective for the kingdom of God. They meet a wonderful, devout lady named Lydia. They baptize her and her entire household and establish a church in the city of Philippi. This is a successful mission trip, Zach. We should be feeling really good about this. And then as they continue to go on their way and to travel, they deliver through God's hand on their lives a young girl who is possessed with demonic spirits who can tell the future. She is delivered through the word of the Lord through them. And it is because of this powerful miracle in the life of a broken individual that Paul and Silas are imprisoned. They are beaten. No doubt they were weary in their bodies. They had given so much for God and they find themselves in prison. This story, can I be honest with you this morning, is a lot more relatable to me. Jericho experience, although I expect to. But of the three stories we've looked at today, this is the one that I understand that sometimes you and I are doing everything we know to do for God and things don't get better they get worse and we can find ourselves in the context of our faith feeling imprisoned feeling bound even in a beautiful wonderful service like this morning we can be captive in our minds. But this is what the Bible tells us in Acts 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. 
That's how powerful your worship is. It doesn't just impact you and your circumstance. As we'll see in the next verse, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Not just Paul and Silas's chains, but everyone in the prison that day was set free because two broken men said, no matter what is going on, we are going to worship and sing praises to God because he's worthy and it's powerful. No matter what I find myself in the middle of. Oh, hallelujah. Paul and Silas were not rejoicing over an epic victory like Miriam. Paul and Silas were not given instruction by God to do it like Joshua was. We do not read here in Acts 16 that God ever promised them they were going to get out of the prison alive. And yet, this is where we find the power of what they were doing in the cell that night. We find Paul and Silas singing and praising God with no guarantee that anything was going to change. But they must have known what David knew. That if I will just make up my mind, I'm going to change my spiritual position through my praise and worship. And somehow God's power is going to be released through my praise Hallelujah. And so this morning, my friends, my brothers and sisters at Tree of Life, it is always appropriate to worship the Lord. I am a witness this morning that this is the key to survive and to thrive in any circumstance. Worship is one of the most powerful weapons that you and I have in our spiritual arsenal not just when the answer comes and that's wonderful when we can do that and not just when we're assured of what the outcome is going to be but even when it's midnight and nobody knows the prison that you find yourself in no one knows how you're hurting no one knows how hopeless you feel in your prison cell. You're confused. You're disheartened. You might even feel some anger and resentment at times, but I can hear Paul say to Silas, Jesus is worthy. No matter where I find myself, like David, I have decided to bless the Lord at all times, that his praise will continually, no matter where I am, it will be in my mouth. Hallelujah. And so this morning, whether you're celebrating a victory like Miriam, or you're in the midst of a battle like Jericho, you can engage in the wonder of worship. Psalms 27 verse 5 says, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. 
therefore, I will offer, I will do it. I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. This morning, if you feel defeated, like you've lost, maybe you've been in a cell a long time, and you've given up any hope. There's never been a real guarantee or word from the Lord that would tell you something is going to change in a significant way. Psalm 71 verse 8 says, Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Verse 14, But I will hope continually. And while I'm hoping, I will praise you yet more and more. Amen. I invite you to stand with me this morning. You may be in a season of great petition. You are praying about some things. You are circling them like they circled the walls of Jericho with your prayer. You're waiting. You're hoping. You go from faith to doubt and everything in between. Praise and worship should be and can be present in it all. Because we were made to worship. It is not shallow emotionalism it's not living in denial of your circumstance it's not even some goofy Pentecostal tradition it's not hype it is spiritual warfare and that is the electricity that you and I felt as we started having a praise break earlier in this service and so whatever you are facing I am confident today that there is reason to worship and there is a need to worship because it clears your heart and your mind of the lies that are plaguing your thoughts. It confuses your enemy. He loses his influence because your praise silences him. How can he compete with the goodness of God in your life? How can he compete with what the word has already said will be? And finally, and most significantly, your worship draws God to you. This message, this understanding that I have about the warfare and the significance of worship beyond what happens in this building. I came to in my own prison cell. At the bedside of my dad, I learned to praise God and to worship him in spite of what was not happening. And I still believe that God is a healer. I believe that. I have total confidence today because in my prison, I got a deeper understanding of who God is and how important my acknowledgement of who he is and what he is able to do. And I still believe he's willing 
to do it. And so this morning, I invite you to this altar in the context of whatever it is. You can come boldly and with a holy confidence this morning, you stand in great company in the scriptures. That whether you are rejoicing because in fact God has parted the Red Sea and led you through it on dry land, or you have been pacing around the walls of Jericho for a long time, holding on only to the word of the Lord that something will happen. Or you could be like me in a hospital room all by yourself with a diagnosis that is impossible. And when you lift up your head and you worship God, it may not be a battle cry like outside of Jericho that day. I wonder how strong Paul and Silas's voices were when they first started. I'm sure physically and mentally they were depleted. And yet something happens because my perspective changes and my spiritual position changes. I think sometimes we forget that we don't always have to be in this prayerful, defensive position in our lives of, oh God, deliver me, help me, keep me, Jesus. But I have an offensive position in the power of God to say, I know whom I have believed and he is able to perfect what concerns me. He's able to complete the work that he has started in you and I. And so the walls of Jericho kept the people of God out. That prison cell in Philippi kept the people of God in. But praise and worship in both circumstances made a difference. And so this morning, I invite you, I beg you, come to this altar and try out this weapon in the context of where you are. Whatever it is that you need today, maybe there is a great financial burden in your life. You can praise God confidently because he is faithful and he has promised to supply all your need according to his riches that will never run out if you are dealing with some type of sickness in your life, you can worship God because he is a healer. You can worship God if your mind is broken right now because he is our peace. He is a banner over us that is love and love removes all fear today. And so if you would, would you just raise your hands to heaven? And if you want to shout that battle cry, that's okay. But if you can't, whatever words of praise, maybe it's just words to a song or a verse that means something significant to you, would you lift it up now in worship to God?
Would you put your hands in his hands today? God, we love you. We stretch ourselves to you to acknowledge that we need you. We stand, God, in great need. But your word is clear that our weakness does not repulse you. It draws you to us. You inhabit the praises of your people. And so, God, even if I find myself in great need, I can worship you based on your faithfulness. I can worship you based on what you've already done for me. And it gives me faith to believe that you have what I need right now. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Find somebody near you and worship God together. Find a silence to agree and worship with you. I love you, Jesus. I acknowledge you as the source of everything that I need. I praise you for your mighty acts in my life, oh Lord. 